worker from God. Well, let's stand up together, and I'm going to uh, read a verse with you. I want you to grab your keys if you have your keys. You got your keys? Got car keys? Take them out. Now, jingle them. Doesn't that sound like Christmas? Jingle them. Now, just write one more time. Jingle them. All right. This is a key verse. All right. It is a key verse. Of course, all verses are key, but this is a real key one. All right. Let's, uh, let's read this. I'm going to begin a series today, four weeks. We're going to talk about respecting God's boundaries. Respecting God's boundaries. God has boundaries because He loves us. There are boundaries in life because God loves us. And if you honor the boundaries, God will keep you safe. If you go out of the boundaries, what'll happen, what happened to Ollie last night will happen to you. You will get skunked. You will get dirty. And so today I want to deal with the question or just with the statement, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now, Paul, uh, in, in this verse that we're about to read, this key verse, <clears throat> is going to distinguish between what is lawful and what is profitable. And he's going to let us know that what is lawful is not as good as what is profitable. Some things are lawful, but they're not beneficial for you. There are some things you can do, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. So let's look here. All things, he says, are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Your Bible might say expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Many things are permissible for me, but I will not be, read this with me, mastered by anything. Paul is saying, before we pray now, catch this, there's three things in this verse. He's saying, is it best, does it edify, and does it bind? Is it best, is it beneficial, does it edify, does it build people up, and does it bind, does it master you? If it, now he, that's what matters, and that's what we're pulling out of this verse today. If it's to the glory of God, if it's beneficial, if it's beneficial, it is best, and it will edify others, and it will not bind you. So we're going to deal with those things. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today for your word, and I pray that your word will live and, and you will bless it. And Lord, help us to be a people who walk in what edifies and what is beneficial and not just lawful, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell them. This is going to be good. You better perk up and listen. You're going to need it. <clears throat> I tell you, I love this passage. It's very powerful, and it makes an important distinction that we need to understand. Now, just so that we'll be clear, the, the, as we start this series today, the Greek word translated uh, into beneficial or expedient, the Greek word means to be good for or to be profitable. Now, Paul is saying that there's, there's some things that are lawful, but they're not profitable for you. They may be lawful, but they're not beneficial. They may be lawful, but they're not necessarily good for you. Have you all ever noticed the difference? There are some things you can do because you have liberty in Jesus 
but it's not necessarily good for you. Now, he's telling us that while many things might be legal or permissible, not everything is profitable. Now, here's a principle for you, and I want you to remember this. Not everything that's lawful or legal is best for you or best for others. And not everything that's lawful or legal would receive God's amen. See, there's a lot of things in our country right now that are legal, but they're not best for you. You're not breaking the law, but they're not best for you. There is a difference between what is lawful and what is best. What is lawful and legal and what is really, truly beneficial. It might not be a wrong thing for you to do, but it might be an unwise thing for you to do. In other words, once again, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Now, here's why. Have you ever noticed that there are things that are legal or permissible, but they still have the power to damage the church? How about this? Or they might damage your brother's conscience. Or they might damage our own reputation. It might be legal. It might be permissible. But it's not best. It's not wise. So I want you to learn today from the Word of God that our Christian liberty, we have liberty. As a matter of fact, Paul called himself the Lord's free man. He was the Lord's free man. We have Christian liberty, but that liberty has boundaries. Now let me give you an illustration. Last night, Ollie, when he went out back, he was in a fence. The backyard is fenced in. So he had the liberty of the whole backyard. But in that backyard, there were boundaries. And I wish he would have obeyed it. When he saw that skunk, I wish he'd have run the other way. But within the yard of liberty, there were still boundaries. There were some things that he should not have gone near. And because he did... It affected not only him, but the whole household, and that's the way it is in the church. See, you never sin alone, and you never walk with God alone. If you walk with God, you're doing it not just for you, but for everybody that knows you and everybody whose life you touch. If you don't walk with God, if you live a life of compromise, you're going to affect not only yourself, you're going to get skunked. But believe me, when I grabbed Ollie by the head to see what was wrong with him, I got skunked. I got the smell on me because he had gotten skunked. And see, you don't live your life to yourself. No man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. You live not just unto yourself, but also unto others. And so it might be legal or permissible, but it still may have power to damage the church or somebody else's conscience or your own reputation. So our Christian liberty has boundaries. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 5, verse 13, he said, For you, brethren, were indeed called to liberty. You have been set free by the blood. You can do things lost people can't do. You've been liberated to worship God, to walk in the Spirit, to be free. But he goes on to say, But don't let your liberty be an incentive to your flesh or an excuse for selfish living." But through love, you should serve one another. So there you have it. We have been called to liberty, but we can't use that liberty as an excuse or as a reason to live selfishly where it hurts others or it hurts us. Now, there is a difference. Let me go further on the difference between lawful and expedient or lawful and beneficial. There's two kinds of Christians in the world. There's two kinds of Christians in this sanctuary right now. Here's the first kind. 
There are those that are always looking to see just how close they can get to the fire without being burned. They skirt around the edges of risky behavior, dance around the flame, and are ever seeking to discover just how much they can get away with without getting in trouble with God. Now let me go back to my dogs. I know I talk about them a lot, but we've got a lot. My daughter got a new dog. She brought our, the dog over, and the dog was in our backyard. Now, we've got a fountain in the backyard, and the fountain has a little pool that is about, oh, I don't know, three feet deep. And I saw this, this dog that had never been back there walking around the edge of this fountain, sniffing it, looking at it, peering at it, walking in circles around it. And I was talking to my daughter, and all of a sudden we both heard this huge splash. And here's this dog had gone in and was fighting to get out, Went and lifted her out. I said, you walk too close to the edge, you're going to fall in. And we're the same way. So that's one kind of Christian. Here's another kind. The second kind are those that do just the opposite. They seek to discover how to get closer to the Lord instead of how far away they can get without getting in trouble. They, they seek to know how to press into him better and closer and tighter, how to get as far away from grieving him as they possibly can. And this kind will walk an extra mile just to avoid the devil's snares. What kind are you? The first kind practice lifestyles that compromise their values and their beliefs by involvement in things and activities that actually truly sabotage their spiritual growth, simply because it's not technically or legally wrong. And so they, they skirt the edges. They walk around the edge, get as close to the fire as they can get. Listen, I promise you, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. If you walk too close, you're going to fall in. The second kind of Christian, they're happy to give up some of their Christian liberties, they don't care. Paul talked about doing this. They're happy to give up their Christian liberties for the sake of others and because they've learned that what is allowable, what they can get by with, is not always best. Now, I don't know about you, but as for me, I want the best that God has for me. You live once and then you die. You're not coming back as anything else. There is no such thing as reincarnation. That You live once, you die, and then you come into judgment. You're going to meet your maker. You're not coming back as a cow or as some other person or as an insect or anything else. You are gone for good when you die. So don't you want God's best now? God's best. Now, Paul is talking to that kind of person who wants God's best. He said, you don't want just what is lawful, but you want what's beneficial to you spiritually every single time. You want to walk in God's best for you. You want to walk in the best blessing, the best of his destiny, the best that he's got for you. Just because I can doesn't mean that I should. Dancing around the edges may not keep you from heaven, but they may keep you from God's best. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I'm very aware that our country is in trouble. We're in trouble in the United States of America. And you know what it's time for? It's time for Christians to get away from the edges, get away from a compromising lifestyle, and live totally and completely and fully for God and shine. We've got to shine. 
If you want to wake up next week with the same liberties we've got today, it is time to give yourself fully to the Lord Jesus Christ and be bold in your testimony for Him. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I mean, it's time for the church to shine. It's time for the church to brighten up and preach and teach and reflect the God who saved us. The Bible passage. They say, well, well, what's the difference between what's lawful and what is beneficial? Well, the, the, the Bible passage that sets the boundaries. And listen carefully for our Christian liberty. That liberty has boundaries. And there's one verse that sets the boundaries, and here it is. It's 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. And listen to what Paul says. He says, so whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, here it is, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Now, church, did you know that your highest calling as a Christian is to glorify God? Dogs can't glorify God. Birds can't glorify God. The creation cannot glorify God uniquely and specifically like you can. Can I tell you today that the one thing the enemy does not want you to do is glorify God? You can glorify God, and we're made to glorify God, and we're wired to glorify God like nothing else that God made. You were made in the image of God. And so we're called to glorify Him. We're called to glorify Him in our walk, in our talk, in what we say, what we do, where we go. We're called to glorify God. His anointing needs to shine off your face. His blessing needs to be evident on your life because the world is watching and God has called you, every one of you in here, to glorify God. There is no higher calling than to glorify God. Listen to what Paul said to the Thessalonian church. He said, we pray this. Here's our prayer for you, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you because of the way you live. Did you hear that? Not just that you got your ticket to heaven, but that the name of Jesus may be glorified in you because of the way you live. Amen. Say with me, somebody's watching that I don't know about, and they're seeing how I live. They're watching. They know you come to church. They know you have professed Christianity. You know what they're watching for? They're watching to see if it's real, and they're watching you. You are God's billboard. You are God's testimony. You are the light of the world, and you are the salt of the earth. And you're the only Jesus some people are ever going to see. Is that not an amazing thought? You are God with skin on him. And you've been called to glorify him. Now you say, well, what does it mean to glorify? Listen to what the word glorify means. To praise, to magnify, to celebrate, to honor, to adorn with luster, clothe with splendor, declare something excellent, to cause the dignity and the worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. My all-time favorite pastor Pastor Howard Canasser, Beverly Hills Baptist Church, where Kathy and I met and where I got involved in college and career ministry. Uh, he used to stand up in front of this 4,000-member church, and he said, God told me that the purpose of this church is simple. It is to make God real to the people. Our calling is to make God real to the people. Now, that's our calling. 
to make God real to Fort Worth. Make God real to Johnson County. Make God real to the United States of America. Isn't it time that the church stands up and makes God real to this culture that is sliding quickly down the drain? Isn't it time we stood up and made God real? Made Him real. Glorify God. Now, put another way, there are things we can do that are in line with Christian liberty, but they may not glorify God. There are things you can do, but they may not glorify God. Now, Christianity is usually known as the religion. If you become a Christian, it's, it's, you bought into all the things you cannot do. Can't this, can't that, can't go here, can't go there. You get a, a boycott list, a no-no list. So instead of doing that, let me just remind you again that what we're going to cover in the next few weeks is this. When it comes to glorifying God, you've got to ask yourself three questions when you're faced with a gray area. Are you ready? Is it best? Does it build others up? Does it edify? Does it build others up? And does it bind? Is it best? Does it edify? Does it bind? If it fails in any of those three, then it can't be to the glory of God. Paul said anything to the glory of God is best, and it edifies, and it does not bind you up in bondage. So the next few weeks, we're going to look at that. Is it best? Does it edify and does it bind? Now, today I want to deal with this one question. How do we bring glory to God? If I'm to walk to the glory of God, if I'm to bring glory to God in my life, where when people look at my life, they have to admit that God's in my life. They have to admit that something supernatural has happened to me. How many of you can say something supernatural has happened to you? I mean, where would you be if it wasn't for Jesus? Where would you be if he hadn't reached down and touched you? Where would you be today if the Lord had not invaded the darkness of your life, convicted you of sin, led you to the foot of the cross, and saved your soul and filled you with the Holy Spirit? Where would you be? You wouldn't be in a good place. You wouldn't be here. But you're here because God invaded your darkness and pulled you into light. So in light of that, we have been called to show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how do we glorify God? Let me give you three simple ways to glorify God in your life. How many of you want to glorify him? You want people to see Jesus on your life. All right, here it is. First of all, are you ready? We must glorify God in our bodies. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, listen to the Bible. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God owns your body and God owns your spirit. When you got saved, you were purchased. Now, let me tell you something. The world out there, the non-Christian world, does not believe what I just read to you. They don't live like I just read to you. They don't have the philosophy that I just read to you. They believe that their bodies are theirs, and they can do with their body as they please. If they want to go to bed with somebody, they go to bed with somebody. Want to have sex, they have sex. Want to take drugs, they take drugs. Want to abuse it with alcohol, they abuse it with alcohol. 
want to abort a baby, they abort a baby. And what do they always say? My body is mine. I've got a right to my body. And as long as you believe that, you will never glorify God. You have got to have your mind renewed. And I'm here today to wash your mind with the Word of God. Yeah, I'm going to brainwash you. And I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, you were bought at a price. You are not your own. It's not your eyes. It's not your ears. It's not your tongue. It's not your feet. It's not your hands. It's not your heart. It is owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? It's owned. But the world out there will tell you it's my body. And I want to say to that world out there, that's why they're perishing and that's why they're under judgment. Because it's not. God disagrees with that philosophy. I want you to listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church again. And he was writing to a people now, the Corinthians, the city of Corinth was hugely immoral. They didn't, listen, we don't have it any worse than they did. The only thing we've got they didn't have is internet pornography because there was no internet. Don't have the videos. But they had pornography everywhere. And there was immorality everywhere. Corinth was grossly immoral. I can't even tell you in a church service what went on in Corinth. And so these Corinthians, they're getting saved. But their minds haven't been renewed. They're still believing their body is theirs. And Paul wrote them and he said this. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. Now see, something happens in your thinking. When you realize, young people, singles out there, married folks, it doesn't matter. When you realize, when it occurs to you, when it gets from your head to your heart, that you don't own your body. It is not yours. It is the Lord's. He owns it. He says, it was bought with a price. The price, the currency of the blood of Jesus bought your body. It's the Lord's. So therefore, you can't do with it what you want. You can only do with it What is to the glory of God? See, what is conviction of sin? It is when you have taken your your body or you've done something in your life where you've taken it outside the realm of the glory of God. And so the Holy Spirit convicts you and says you need to get back in the will of God because, see, now you're owned, you're purchased, you're bought. He paid the currency down for you. He got you out of jail, got you out of prison, got you out of hell, got you out of darkness. He owns your body. He owns it. Now, I'm about to go where angels fear to tread. Buckle your seatbelt, grab hold of the sides of your chair, and let me talk to you about sexual sin for a minute. All of us are here because of sex. How's that for a revelation? And you know what the Bible says? That the only place where sex is not a sin is the marriage bed. I'm going to meddle. I'm going to meddle because we need to understand that we are not our own. And when you realize that every time the devil tempts you, you can just turn to the devil and say, hey, you're, you're trying to get me to do something. I don't, it's not my say. I, I'm sending you to talk to Jesus about this because he owns me. 
He owns me. Paul said when it comes to sexual sin, your body is not your own. It's not yours. He said, flee from sexual sin. The same word, flee, is used in Matthew 26 when Jesus was being arrested. You remember the story. And they surrounded him. And Judas betrayed him with a kiss. And what does it say the disciples did? Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Same word. They ran in terror because they were about to be thrown in jail. They were afraid for their life and they ran. They fled. That doesn't mean they casually walked away. They ran. Same word, flee. Flee from sexual sin. Why is the Bible so strong about it? Because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Sexual immorality is against your own body. It's against your own body. And I'm not just talking about STDs. You carry your soul into that union. In the sexual union, it's the only place where one plus one equals one. That's why in marriage, two become one. Because there is something you cannot leave your soul and your spirit out of the sexual union. You're leaving a part of yourself everywhere you go. He says, shall I, Paul says, shall I take the members of Christ, that's you, you're owned by him, and make them the members of a harlot? In other words, here's the thought, and this is a heavy thought, that what you do with your body once you're a believer, you take Jesus with you. So can you take him into drunkenness? No. Can you take him into drug abuse? No. Can you take him into sexual sin? No. You're taking him in there with you. You're taking him with you everywhere you go because he's in you. And that's what conviction of sin is. When you've taken Jesus where he didn't want to go. Sexual sin is so damaging that Paul said, don't debate with it, don't argue with it, don't flirt with it, don't tarry in its presence, run as if in terror from it. If you want to live confused and feeling used, get involved in sexual sin. Now, I hear some of you saying, but Pastor Jeff, you don't understand. My boyfriend or my girlfriend, if I don't get involved in sex, they're going to leave. Can I give you a newsflash today? They're going to leave anyway. Oh, no, no, no. They've told me they love me. Wake up. Of course they have. They want the goods. Well, I don't want them to leave. They're going to leave anyway. Once there's nothing else to conquer, nothing else to take, they're going to go anyway. You want to lose them now or lose them later when you feel used and abused and taken advantage of? Well, I'm a visitor here today. I didn't think you were going to go into this. Hey, if the church doesn't go into this, where are you going to get taught? You're going to get taught from the world. So I know they love me. They're not going to leave. I promise you they're going to leave. You wake up one day and the thrill is gone. Gee, honey, I just feel like I'm, I'm just kind of lost the love. That loving feeling, it's gone. And then what are you left with? You compromise yourself. You broke your relationship with God. And for what? Don't do it. Don't do it. Keep yourself, friend. Keep yourself. 
Well, how am I going to get to know somebody? Get to know their soul. Talk a lot. I mean, talk a lot. Go to Bible studies all the time. Talk about the Word. Some battles you win by a fight. Others you win by flight. When it comes to sexual sin, you don't win by fight. You win by flight. You look for the nearest exit door that God promised he's going to open up to you. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand, but will with the temptation open a door of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see that up there? It says exit. You see there? It says exit there and exit there. It says exit back there. When you're in a sin, look around. You'll see doors marked exit, and they have been opened up by God, and you've got to run. Don't walk, run. Well, then how do I glorify? How do I do this? How do I, how do I walk clean like this? You've got to realize what I was talking about. Here it is. Paul says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's the Holy Spirit's house. Your body is the house of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. Salvation is free, but it costs Jesus his life. So he says, you don't belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price, so you must glorify God with your body. Now, you're never going to do that if you don't make a presentation of your body to God. Romans 12.1 says, In light of these things, by the mercies of God, I beseech you to present your bodies as a gift to God, holy and acceptable, which is reasonable in light of what he did for you. Now, you're saved. Most of you in here, you've given your heart to the Lord. But have you ever just said, Lord, I give you my body? That's what Romans 12.1 says to do. Give him your body. Make a presentation of your body. You make a presentation. If you don't do that, your, your body's never going to glorify God. Oh, it's so quiet in here today, and it's so pretty outside. I know this is not easy, and I know it's challenging in light of today's culture, but I want to guarantee you it's not impossible at all, or God wouldn't tell you to do it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be, your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How much easier it makes it when the devil comes knocking and you say, well, you know what, you're asking me to do something. It's not my call. Somebody comes to you with those drugs. Hey, here you go. Say, hey, you know what? Uh, you're asking me to put something in, in a body that I don't own. This isn't my body to do with what I want. If somebody offers you drugs, you're looking at the devil. I don't care who they are. Tell them, our friendship is over. See you and walk out the door. You'll see the exit. Get out. Now, there's another way we glorify God. He says, in our spirits. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God owns your body. And God owns your spirit, and he purchased both. Now, what does it mean, glorify God in your spirit? Well, it's very simple. As we walk with God, we grow spiritually. What does that fruit hanging on the tree have to do to grow? Hang there. You say to that fruit, what are you doing here? I'm just hanging around. 
Well, how are you growing? I'm hooked up to the vine. Well, are you having to work for this? Not really. I'm just hanging here. And that's the way it is. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me will bear fruit. And so as you walk with God, you produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And that is how you glorify God in your spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is nothing more than Christ-likeness. God liked Jesus so much, He wants to see Him in all of you, reproduced. So what happens as you walk with God and just hang around with God? What, what happens? We begin to exhibit His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, His gentleness, His meekness, His kindness, and His faith. We begin to look like Jesus. How does that happen? Being in the Word every single day. I made a huge mistake when we went to Colorado. I told the first service about this. We got up early in the morning. We are going to drive 14 hours, and I dread that. You do a lot of talking, <laughs> 14 hours. So we got up real early at the crack of dawn. We were going to leave, got in the, in the little SUV and pulled out, got all the way to Colorado, and my hunger for the Word came up, as it always does. And I started looking, and I had forgotten, left at home, my Bible. Now, you may say, well, big deal. That was a vacation. There's no vacation from God. The vacation is when you need to be reading the Word because there's no distractions. And I said, oh, Kathy, where's my Bible? And she said, am I your Bible's keeper? She didn't really. In so many words, she did. She let me know it was my fault. And so I said, well, we'll just go buy a Bible. So we went down to a bookstore. It was called The Bookworm. It was the only bookstore in the whole area. And I went in there, and they had one Bible in a huge population. And it was an old hardback NIV with tiny print that I couldn't read. And I said to the manager, I said, you don't have any other Bibles? She said, no, but I can order it for you. I said, the best-selling book in the world and you don't have it? I can order it for you. I mean, here's what they did have, the green Bible. In other words, the environmentally correct Bible, the everything is about to burn up Bible. And then a couple of others that were mystical and cultish, and there was no just good old New King James Bible, and I had to have it. I forgot it. But you know what I was feeling? Hunger pangs because I have gotten used to reading it. Got to have it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't live by eating bread. You've got to have the Word of God. That's why you're here today. You don't want to hear what I think. You want to hear the Word of God. We need to be preaching the Word of God. Amen? So as you walk with the Lord, you bear fruit. You just begin to bear fruit. The love grows. The peace grows. The joy just comes. As you walk with God, you bear fruit. And Jesus said this. This is what he meant when he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. So as you bear fruit, people look at it and they see it. And what does it cause them to do? They glorify God. Your highest calling is to glorify God. 
Now, the last thing I want to mention, and there's a lot of other ways to glorify God, but here I think is a major one, and I want to get this one into you. If you're going to glorify God, we have got to get to the place where we give God the glory for what he has done. Because a lot of Christians are silent witnesses. I've never understood that because you can't witness and be silent. Say, how are you a silent witness? Does it just ooze out of your pores? No, but I think people are just going to pick up on it. Hey, they don't know why you're so weird. Tell them why you're so weird. Tell them why you don't go to the bar after work. Tell them why you don't do what they do. Tell them why you don't go where they go. Go ahead and break the news and come out of the closet. I am a Christian. You got to give God the glory. Listen to what David said. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Now, here's why I'm telling you to do this. Have you ever noticed the world will always want to attribute what has happened to you to something other than God? They'll say, oh, it was that New Year's resolution. Boy, they really made a great New Year's resolution, and that's why their life has changed. Or they'll say that it's rehab. You got changed by rehabilitation. No, you weren't changed by rehabilitation. And you weren't changed by a New Year's resolution. Most New Year's resolutions are failed at that next week. No, and it wasn't 12-step program that got you free. You need to give God the glory. You need to tell people, here's what happened to me. I was in sin. I was doing drugs. I was an alcohol. Or I was a good person, I thought, but God reached into my darkness. And one day I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm a product of grace by faith. It is the power of the Holy Spirit, not my willpower, but the power of the Holy Spirit that set me free. I was in darkness and he reached into the darkness of my life, plucked me up, filled me with the Holy Ghost, set my feet on a rock, gave me a vision and a destiny. I am a child of the living God and I'm not ashamed to say it. Jesus talked about this, and it amazed me. He said, those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to glorify the one who sent him, the one who seeks to glorify the one who sent him, tells the truth. What's the truth? The truth is you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord. The truth is you'd be all bound up and hopeless if it wasn't for the Lord. The truth is where would you be? You know where you'd be and you dread and shudder at the idea of where you'd be if it wasn't for the Lord. But thank God the goodness of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ and he reached down and saved us, redeemed us, called us, put his seal on our lives and we're headed for heaven and we've got a life now that is good and fruitful and fulfilling and so therefore give God the glory. Give him the glory. I really believe if Christians don't start doing this, we could lose this country and the freedoms that we hold dear right now. The freedom to uh, preach. Did you know that this week that hate law was passed, hate crimes was passed, 
And so now if I stand up here and teach certain parts of the Word of God, somebody could bring a lawsuit against me. Are you aware of that? And that's why I'm telling you, church, we better stand up. We better believe God to send revival to this country, to move in this land. We better let our light shine and quit being timid and spineless and and not be ashamed of the one who has saved us. Because I'll tell you what, the answer is not in the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, or a Libertarian Party. The answer is not in nuclear weaponry. The answer is not in the military in any sense of the word. But the only thing that will change this country is a move of God. And we've got to have it. And that's why I'm preaching these things. It's time for the church to stand up. Can we do so? Let's stand up together. I want to encourage you to be bold. I want to encourage you to not be ashamed of the Lord. I've gotten to where I just say to people, I'm just a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Because if you say you're a Christian, they go, oh, that's great. If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, they want to know what that means. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And as I follow him, he blesses me. He's changed my life. He's not just my savior. He's my philosopher. He's my teacher. He's my guide. He's the one that I get the answers about life from. Respecting God's boundaries. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Let's walk with God with all of our hearts, church. And I guarantee you, He's going to allow our church to make a difference. Can we just take a moment and pray and say, Lord, I want to live for the glory of God. I want to glorify God in my life. I want to glorify God in my body by being sanctified, in my spirit by being fruitful, in my testimony by giving God the glory. Thank you, Lord. Take a minute. Just take a minute in God's presence. Give your family to God for the glory of God. If you need to commit your body to the Lord, make a presentation. Do it right now. Say, Lord, my body is yours. Let all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything. If the enemy has made a way into your life, just right now, rebuke him and say, Get off of God's property. Off my home, off my marriage, off my body, out of my mind. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. You say with me, God is good. 
Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 